step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're tiny. We're toony. We're all a little Oh, and welcome to the third episode of yeah, third episode of Tooncast. I had to think there for a second. I am TFG One Mike, and I'm joined by Kevin Bosque Dog and Dion. Hello, guys. Hey. How's it going? It's going, and we are going to be talking about Tiny Toons, Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, here in a little bit, but, um, yeah, I've had kind of a rough week. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. I think everybody has, dude. I think no. there's a full moon out. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised, because I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday morning, I woke up and a piece, uh, of my tooth chipped off inside my mouth. Oh! Yeah. Oh, what a way to wake up. Exactly. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit that uh, I, I need dental work badly, but I hate the dentist. <laughs> Dentists are evil. I don't, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got the drills and, the, you know. My problem is they never let you breathe. I was, yeah. I believe I was, tw- I was 12 years old. And, yeah, I go back down memory lane with me. I was 12 years old. I told the dude, I said, look, unless you let me breathe, I'm going to end up puking all over you and all over this chair. <laughs> He I need kept, to breathe and I need to swallow. Exactly. He kept going in and going in and everything else. About five minutes later, I had no water. I could not breathe, and I heaved up all over him, his nurse, and, and the entire chair and myself. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Looking you back. Him, you should have looked at him when you had your voice and went, I told you so. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, it's been a very, very uh, off and, and strange week. Uh, I I don't know what is the deal. Um, I actually uninstalled the um, the update to Pamela Call Recorder, so hopefully this audio will 
be okay. Um, for some odd reason, um, it's still jumbling. I don't know if it's the recorder. I don't know if it's Skype. Uh, Steve and I recorded an episode of GeekCast Radio on Saturday, and it still did the same thing with my voice coming out louder and it kind of running on top of each other. I don't know. Um, not really sure. So what's been going on with you guys? I'm I'm in summer mode, so every week's a weird week for me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the dentist, though, I did just make uh, a dentist appointment for, uh, let's see, probably in about 10 days, and I think it's going to be the first time I've been in the dentist for, I don't know, two, three years. So <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm like you guys. I I know that you know dental work is important. Yeah, you should you know always go into the dentist once once in a while you know to get your teeth checked. But it's like eh, get that thing away from me. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I did I, I did uh, see two movies this week that I'd been wanting to see. We saw the uh, the Hangover and the uh, Grand Torino. Ah. Uh-huh. Um. They're they're interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the movie experience in the theater for Hangover is uh was quite the quite the different movie experience that's for sure. <laughs> we got vinyl put down in our apartment uh, a couple days ago, uh, Friday. So, um, we're just we're we're noticing now that the kitchen and the dining room has a bit of an acoustic echo to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean we're we're just we actually we actually did that though for the kids because. You know, sometimes my son and stepson like to eat all over the place, and they <laughs> spill things every now and then, and most kids do. So we fi- I, we figured, you know what, this is easier to clean than carpet. Exactly. So that's why we did it. <laughs> yes. Good move. Yeah. The only. Well, see, here's the thing. Thursday night, we get we 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 unhook, you know, my girlfriend's computer, and you know my talking reading machine and we unhook it and we move it all into the living room and my son who's a year old almost two he's trying to help you know pull move a big huge ass table with a computer sitting on it and he means well he he doesn't understand that it's heavy (laughs) you know but so he's helping me you know with the light stuff i i give him the light stuff to move because i obviously don't want him hurting himself Mm -hmm. you know then my girlfriend's uh aunt or cousin came over and that you know gave her a high chair and you know some extra stuff and some extra clothes because she had a baby so yeah we had a busy thursday night and then friday i was cooped up in the back bedroom and i forgot you know what i have a laptop damn it i can get on the internet (laughs) so i I, but i was also tired too it was just like friday just was one of those days that it just all sunk in so it was just really 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 crazy Yes, I'm I'm sure it was. Um actually uh <laughs> now that I've actually finished my tiny tunes watching for our topic today, <laughs> I've started on Voltron and oh my god, I'll be watching Voltron all week for next Sunday's recording. <laughs> oh crap. Not that I don't like the cartoon, but it's just I just looked at the sets on my on my um on my DVD thing the other day and I'm like, <gasps> "Oh shit, I have five five DVD sets." With three discs, discs a piece, and I yeah. have to watch all these by next Sunday. Well, what the <laughs> fuck was I thinking when I made this podcast? Oh, I forgot what I—I <laughs> I forgot the biggest thing I did this week actually. Um, I had a—well, not, not that it was big, but I had a friend come over, and for about, I want to say almost twelve hours, we went from one cartoon to another, just kind of having a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we hit everything. We hit Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, Super Mario Brothers, Super Show, um, Thundercats, Dungeons and Dragons, Cops. Uh, I, I remember, remember that cartoon. Oh my god! It was just twelve hours of nonsense. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I did have that going on this week, so that was kind of a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, that's cool. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. There was a oh. Um, I guess we can go ahead and get into today's topic, which is actually the predecessor to Animaniacs: Tiny Toon Adventures. Um, <laughs> I said in episode two that I don't know what I was thinking when I made the schedule. Uh, I, I don't think I was, because I didn't realize at the time that Tiny Toons came before Animaniacs, but that's what we will be discussing today, and I think it's time for the history lesson. Alrighty, good evening, cartoon nerds. It's Professor Boss K-Dog bringing you another history lesson. Um, for episode three, we travel back in time to actually 1990 for Steven Spielberg Presents, as we said before, Tiny Toon Adventures. Um, the Tiny Toon Adventures, like Animaniacs, was a Warner Brothers production. Aired in half-hour installments and almost always had at least two, if not three, four cartoon um, individual cartoons within that half hour. The show premiered in syndication in September of 1990 after a sneak preview special, which aired uh, September 14th of that year. It was later picked up by Fox, where it aired from September of 1992 to September of 1995. It has since been rebroadcast, obviously, on numerous occasions, most notably on Nickelodeon and the Cartoon Network. In all, the Tiny Toon Adventures lasted for three seasons and included 100 episodes. Um, the cartoon itself was set in the fictional city of Acme Acres, um, where most of the Tiny Toons and the Looney Toons before them lived. The show's main setting was Acme University, a school whose faculty primarily consists of the mainstays of the classic Warner Brothers cartoons, such as Bugs, Bunny, Daffy Duck, um, etc. In the series, the university was founded to teach cartoon characters how to become funny. The show focuses on the antics of the students of Acme University, Babs and Buster Bunny, Plucky Duck, and a whole other cast of characters, which we're going to get to shortly. Um, the show was basically a test for the young Warner Brothers animation firm. If they were successful with Tiny Toons, the sky was the limit for um, future endeavors. It was designed kind of to follow the mold of using established characters to gain interest that some of their competitors had been using, such as Disney with DuckTales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, and they also, in a way, used another idea that was kind of the fad at the moment, which was a uh, creating younger groups of those established characters. We're also going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but for now, that is um, the history lesson, so let's move on to the rest of the show, Class Dismissed. Yes, and um, it should be mentioned, even though I do not... I wish I went ahead and grabbed it. I can't do it now, but the, the funniest thing about uh, Buster and Babs, um, after they would always say, you know, I'm Buster and, and I'm Babs Bunny, that they would say no relation afterwards because they yeah. were technically best friends and they were not related. Uh, as far as my memories of this, it was like, this was like what Animaniacs had later. It took off. Everybody was watching this thing in, in the early 90s. Um I mean, it was it was a mainstay afternoon cartoon. It's not like nowadays where where practically nobody watches weekday afternoon cartoons anymore, as far as I know. Nobody I know does anyway, or or has kids that do, other than like that purple bastard Barney. But anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, um, I really did like this. Um, as of now, uh, and we can go into how it held up later, but I think that it's it's very dated at this point. Um, just because there are some episodes where Buster says that, you know, it's the 90s and it's hip <laughs> to be following everybody and it's, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, it's a it's a funny show. I think the characters that most 
most disturbed me was uh, Elmira, and we'll get to her later. We'll talk about her later. Um, but yeah, that's my memories of it. it overall, I, I I do like it, and I'm glad it's on DVD. Yeah, um, for me, this is kind of similar, obviously, to Animaniacs. I was probably in the jun- middle school, junior high age when, when this was coming out, at least when it was really popular. So I was kind of not into as uh, cartoons as much as I had been, obviously, when like Transformers and G.I. Joe and all them were out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember it being one of the first shows where I knew, at least one of the first cartoon shows, where I memorized lines from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always remember... The, the little plucky duck with the, you know, go down the hole or yeah. push, the button, push the button or whatever. And the same with Elmira with, you know, I'm going to hug you and love you and squeeze you forever type thing. Um, yes. So it's, it's one of the first cartoon shows I can actually remember. Um, well, besides maybe Yo-Jo, um, <laughs> remembering the actual lines from the, from the cartoon. So that's pretty much my memory for, for Tiny Toons. Tiny Toons for me was just... We know when I when I saw it, it was very humorous. It had a lot of heart. I think um, Steven Spielberg can really put a lot of heart into cartoons, even though it's a it's a kids show. Um, a lot of the characters that I liked, of course, was you know one of them was Plucky Duck, and of course you know Babs and Buster Bunny, even though they weren't related, but they were funny to watch. All, all the characters were, and Lara, even though she was a bit annoying, yes. She did have her moments um, in the cute department. No, that was an overwhelming amount of cute. Oh, my <laughs> God. That was no, like... I don't, I don't know. I think Dot took the cake in that. No. No, 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 no. No. Um, no, what I mean, like... I mean, like, sickly cute. I mean, like, you know, having someone... Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know... Way too much cuteness. Like, having a whole bunch of... of Having a giant box of of sugar sticks and eating the entire box and you're just overloaded on sugar. That's how bad Elmira is. That gets us right into the characters and the voice actors. Um, maybe we can go around and say our favorite favorite and least favorite characters. I can start. Um, my least favorite character would have to be uh, Montana. Um, <laughs> I could not stand him. I could not stand him back then when I was a kid watching it this week. I can't stand him still. Um, so he was by far my least favorite. And I think my favorite would have to be both the the young and the regular version of Plucky. Ah, Yes, I actually do have uh, something from Monty. Let's see if it works. You can't do this to me. I'm rich. I'm important. I'm a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I'll go next. Uh, I actually liked a majority of of these characters, um, and I know we're going to get into this down the line, but um, this show, even though they are kind of like direct descendants of each Looney Tune, like Buster is obviously his 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 influence and in, in his 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 idol is is Bugs. Um, same thing with Plucky and Daffy and Hampton and Porky and so on and so forth. Um, but I would have to say that my least, outside of Elmira, my least favorite character was, I actually have two. It was, um, uh, Fifi and, uh, Sweetie. Okay. Uh, I just, I don't know, Sweetie is, I understand they were going for a, a, a younger version of Tweety, but I, I don't know, it's just, 
she's mixed in with that that type of dual personality of you know don't mess with me or I'm gonna do this to you and then she goes all sweet on you and it's like oh god yeah how about you Dan uh Babs and Buster were your favorites uh, were my favorites yes because I I think that just some of the some of the com you know comedic stuff they could do together you know whether it be a duo or as you know whether it be duo or solo, they were just very, very funny. Um, I also liked, and I hope I'm getting the name right, it was a, I think it was Shirley? Was it Shirley? Yeah, Shirley, Shirley, the, loon. Shirley the Loon. Shirley the Loon, yes. She was very funny at times. So oh, those would probably be my three. I think, I think, I, I think, I, I think I like Monty not because of, not because I think I like Monty because he just had a, a really angry personality. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I guess we could say this now. Um, all of the all of the characters in Tiny Toons were, as we said before, were were younger versions of, of the Looney Tunes characters. Uh, right. Babs and Buster were, you know, m- mixes of bugs. Actually, Babs was kind of a, her role model in the show. I saw an episode about it was actually... Um, uh, Honey, Bosco's girlfriend in the original, um, in the old, old Looney Tunes days, in 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 the very first um, yeah. tunes. Um, but uh, Hampton, like I said before, is obviously protege after Porky. Montana Max is actually supposed to be a Yosemite Sam type. Right. Yeah. Well, that and, didn't work. <laughs> and the other, the other one that's maybe not as obvious to people, um, Elmira, is Elmer. After, yeah, Elmer. So. That was kind of a different take on that. Well, the big difference in that is Elmer actually wanted to shoot the animals. She wants to love them. She wants them to, to love them and squeeze them to death. Yeah, she, which usually ends up in the same result. You get dead animals either if you're shooting them or if you're loving them to death and squeezing them and putting them in cages and stuff like that. Um, right. I guess um, there was one, or besides obviously the regular characters that we've mentioned, there was a couple other ones that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Gogo. Um, I love Go-Go the Dodo. I love Go Go. Go Go. Furball after uh, Sylvester. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Sylvester. And uh, Calamity Coyote. Yeah, I think we're the other ones. After Wiley. And then uh, uh, Little Beeper was after Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I think what the difference I, I'm going to probably bring up Animaniacs a lot, so I apologize ahead of time. But um, I think the difference for me between these two, I think the main characters in both shows were excellent, but I just like the side characters in Animaniacs better. Um, and I don't know if it was just because I didn't like Elmira and Montana very much, mm-hmm. but that was kind of one of the drawbacks for Tiny Toons. Is I loved the main characters, I just didn't like some of the you know the accessorating characters. If you want to make up a word there for the show. Mm-hmm. Um. Going into the um, going more in depth into the voice acting, um, the role of Buster was given to Charlie Adler, who gave the role as producer Tom Ruger said a great deal of energy. Um, the role of Babs was given to Tress McNeil. Uh, writer Paul Dini said that McNeil was a good for the role because she could do both Babs' voice and the voices of her impressions. Um, now, on a side note, the the impressions that were done. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the, the the very first episode of Looney Beginning when they first end up drawing her and she does all these like turnarounds 
and goes into all different kinds of people for impressions. It, that that was just amazing to me. I mean, say what you want about Babs's voice and it, it not being as 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 good as Dot's version uh, in Animaniacs, but for this cartoon, I don't think that you could have somebody else doing that like that. No, and and after watching it this week, I I kind of take back a little bit of what I said in uh, the Animaniacs episode because she she does do an excellent job with uh with Babs. I get a little bit of a better appreciation of that after this week. Yes, yeah, right. Trez was Trez was very good with Babs. I thought that she, you know, I know that she, I know that she could do a very, very good Catherine Hepburn, which was, <laughs> you know, which was very, very good for her. Yes. Um, you know, and she she could also do some evil roles if necessary. So you know, she could do those those costume changes in animation just as quick and. You know, be back to her old self within seconds. You would never know it wasn't her. Oh, really? Uh- With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, yeah. Uh, also going on with the voice actors, uh, Joe Oleski and Don Messick were given the roles of Plucky Duck and Hampton J. Pig, respectively. Um, I did not actually know Don Messick was in this until I Don actually saw like him. Don, I, I think Don is right up there with, 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 with Frank. And Don Messick is the god of of olden day cartoons, basically. Ugh. Well, between him and Mel Blanc, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of 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 uh, you know people like that. Um, actually, uh, I believe it's not the next episode. I believe it's episode five. We will be covering. Uh, uh, I think it's either episode five or six. We'll be covering a pup named Scooby Doo, and I believe that was Don's last Scooby Doo. Um, yeah. um, uh, role before he passed away. Actually, no. There were some movies before he died. Well, I'll we'll get into that once we get right. But I mean, I'm just saying there was there were some movies before he died. I think they were done in like the late 90s. Yeah. And then and it, I think the last thing that the last thing that was released was in 1995. Oh. And then, and then um, he passed away two years later. You had mentioned Joe Alasky with uh, Don Messick. That's kind of interesting because he's kind of in that same. Vane, I mean, he wasn't as old as uh, as Messick was, but he that was his specialty was imitating Mel. other voice actors, especially Mel Blanc and, yep. and some of those olden time guys. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, and I was watching an interview um, that he gave. I don't know who it, who was doing the interview, but he talked about how he got his start, and he actually got his start. Um, the guy that played Bullwinkle and Rocky and Bullwinkle kind of picked him out after hearing him and uh, basically got him into the role of Boris for Rocky and Bullwinkle. So he was kind of oh, wow. Wow. way back then. Yeah. He also he also gave a little bit of a insight onto how he came up with the Plucky Duck voice. Obviously, it's mostly based off of uh, 
Daffy. Daffy. Um, and he said the the difference that he did is with Daffy Duck, he does the you would do the voice with a front lisp, and he says, and to do Plucky Duck, he just changed that from a front lisp to a back lisp to get the youth kind of sound going. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yes, uh, Alaski also does Daffy in in multiple other. I believe he did him in uh, Looney, uh, Looney Tunes back in action. I'm not sure if he did him in Space Jam. I don't know. Um, not really sure about that. Um, but he also did him in the uh, 2003 cartoon Duck Dodgers uh, that is currently in syndication on Boomerang. Uh, Danny Cooksey played Montana Max, and according to according to Paul Dini, was good for the role because he could do a tremendous mean voice. Cooksey was also the only voice actor in the cast who was not an adult. And for all the nerds out there that are listening, Danny Cooksey... Bobby Budnick and salute your shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you that watch that show, you you've seen him in real life too, not only as a voice actor but a real actor. Right. Um. This next uh, this next listing, Cree uh, uh, Summer plays the roles of Elmira and Mary Melody, uh, former Saturday Night Live cast. Oh, Cree um, uh, Summer. She's she does have great talent, but. She wasn't around very long. Oh, she was. Well, you mean in this show or? Yes. Well, she played Elmira throughout the entire well, I thing. Mean, I think. No. Well, I mean, yeah, she did Elmira, but you, I mean, like when the show first was, you know, when the show was first aired, you saw a lot of Elmira, and then I think, let's see, in season two, it's either season two or three, I can't remember which, but you saw less and less of her. Mm, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm. I can. I could be wrong. I. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I really Cree, don't know. Cree Summer brings up one of those connections that I always like to look for. Um, we got the the Sonic the Hedgehog connection with her because Charlie Adler was in Sonic, Cree mm-hmm. Summer was in Sonic, and so was Rob Paulson. So they all three were in the Sonic the Hedgehog oh. together. And to go back to our first and second episode, uh, the Inspector Gadget connection. Cree Summer played Penny in Inspector Gadget. Oh, really? I did not know oh, that. Wow. I didn't know that. Well, she was I did Penny, not know that. Penny and Inspector Gadget, uh, Susie from Rugrats, and most recently that some of us would know, maybe Transformers animated Black Arachne. Yeah, I did know that. Yep. Um, she also uh, played uh, uh, Max uh, Maxine Gibson in Batman Beyond, which um, I'm going to just do a little shout-out here to my world's finest podcast buddies. Uh, the uh, For Mike and James, they... Uh, Crazed voice for Elmira is pretty much a higher, uh, more annoying voice than Max, so she plays two annoying characters in cartoons. <laughs> well, you know, I just saw uh, SWAT Cats the other day, and I heard Tress McNeil in that. Yeah, I think so, she played, um, oh, she played Deputy Mayor, uh, uh, yes. what's her name? Uh, Ka- I can't think of her name. Briggs. But yeah, Deputy Deputy Briggs. Mayor Br- Callie Briggs, yeah. Yep, I just saw that episode a couple nights ago, and I thought, that's Trez McNeil. So, <laughs> you know, apparently Trez does get around with voice stuff. Yeah, you know, she's, yeah she's got a huge, huge voice actor career. Uh, former Saturday Night Live cast member Gail Mathis, or, yeah, my, yeah I am saying that right, Played Chili the Loon and Kath Susie played roles of Fifi LaFoom and Little Sneezer. Other actors for the series included Maurice LaMarche as the voice of Dizzy Devil, uh, Candy Milo as the voice of Sweetie Bird, Frank Welker as the voice of Go Go Dodo, Furball, Calamity Coyote, which Calamity really doesn't have a voice, uh, Little Beeper, uh, Barky Marky, and other voices. 
Rob, <laughs> Rob Paulson as the voice of Foulmouth, Arnold the Pitbull and Conquered Condor. Um, uh, Foulmouth, oh my god, I watched that episode <laughs> on the first. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look, look at the talent, though. Look at the talent from the minor actors, the minor voice actors. You have Marie, Maurice LaMarche, Frank Welker, and Rob Paulson as your as your additional voices. Exactly. It's just ridiculous. Oh, I know it. Um, I got to say, in a fight between Foulmouth and Yakko, Foulmouth would win. Yeah, Yakko <laughs> would stand a chance. <laughs> there would be no way. <laughs> Um, a couple of other interesting uh, people to be in this, as I was kind of looking through things, you had uh, Noel Blanc, which was um, Mel Blanc's, Mel Blanc's son. son. Yep. Yeah, who did the role of uh, Porky Pig. Um, you have June Foray, the original Granny. Yep, playing Granny in still this. Still doing it. Yep. So that was, yeah, I she's thought that still was doing awesome. that voice. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. And um, we had... Um, Nathan Ruger, who we talked about a little bit in Animaniacs, the son of Tom Ruger, was actually got got a couple episodes in this one too. Mm-hmm. And uh, Solil Moonfry, the actress that played in uh, Blossom. Mm-hmm. You had Susan Blue from Transformers fame, yep. and uh, Jeff Bennett and Sa- Sally Struthers, some big names that kind of did some guest work. You, we should also mention that it was not. Um I believe Mel had already passed. Mel Blank had already passed away. It was Jeff Bergman playing Bugs Bunny, and right. uh, yes, it, Mel Blank passed away in 1989. Oh well, that that would have been really cool if he was still around when they went to cast this, because I am pretty much betting you if if Mel was still alive when this went to air. Um, he would be doing all of the Looney Tunes voices. Right. I pretty yeah. much guarantee you he would be. He, there would be no cast in that room, just him. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's very good that they got his son to play Porky. I think yeah. that's a nice um, um, uh, homage to that. Also, uh, Stan Freeberg, who was big in the uh, Looney Tunes um, cartoons, played Pete Puma. Okay. I didn't know that. Wow. Yep. Uh, yeah, Nathan Ruger, play, uh, Tom Ruger's son, played Little Plucky. Uh, okay. And I That's might crazy. have Little Plucky still from Animaniacs. Let's see. Sneaky, go down the hole. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's that. That's actually one of my favorite <laughs> favorite characters. I love that. Um, I don't. Nineteen nine. Okay, that might have been the second season. See, right now, and we'll we'll talk about this later. Right now, only season one, volume one, and volume two are on DVD. They have not released the second and third season yet. Um, but. Are they separate discs? It's each four. Each of them is a four disc set. Volume one is a four disc, and volume two is a is a four disc. Um, and we'll talk about the DVD releases here in a few minutes. Um, but Dan Castellaneta was in this. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, he played Harvey, which that that's what I'm saying. Uh, 1992. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. It wasn't one of the main characters. I don't think. Um, I do have to jump back up just so I can make another Transformers connection. Um, we kind of talked about Charlie Adler for a brief yes, second. Yes, animated um, Starscream. But but also, he and uh, Peter Cullen are the only two voice actors that appeared in both the original Transformers cartoon and the live-action movie. Oh, See, okay. now, I, you, Mike, you should feel special. I didn't mention Peter's name this time. Yeah, but, <laughs> see, the, yeah, but see, the difference is Kevin knows he's actually alive and doing stuff. <laughs> Actually, Peter's doing voiceover work for Cartoon yep. Network. And Peter, um, we, have, we also oh, didn't go ahead, Kevin. 
I was going to say, we also didn't mention at the beginning how much of an undertaking the casting of the voices were for this show. I mean, this and, Andrea Romano did so much to get this voice cast together. I mean, can, consider the the task you have if you're going to audition over 1,200 yep. voices. Like, that's just insane. I just wish that, you know, at the end of Tiny Toons and before I'm, I'm just going to bring up an Animaniacs thing. Before Animaniacs started, I really wish that Charlie Adler and Rob Paulson had just put their differences aside and just gone in with, you know, to Animaniacs. And I, I, I don't know, maybe Charlie would have sound, sounded great as Yakko. Who knows? But I just really wish they hadn't, you know, left on such, I don't want to say jealous terms because that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, and I don't want to say hateful terms either, but I don't, I mean, maybe spiteful would be the word, but um, I just, I just wish that they hadn't left on, you know, such, you know, those terms because maybe they would have still been great together in Animaniacs. Since, yeah. since we are talking about the Charlie Adler, Rob Paulson thing, um, it should be noted that in the, in the, in the later episodes of Tiny Toons, I'm not sure where exactly it is. But Charlie did leave the show because he realized that Rob got picked up for the lead for Animaniacs, and he was pissed because Rob Paulson was virtually an unknown at this time, apparently. And he was like, well, it should go to me. So it's like this whole jealous actor syndrome. Um, and I Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's what happens when you're in L.A. Yes. Do we have any other um, notes on the voice actors? Um, just the person that replaced uh, Charlie Adler after he uh, left. So if you're watching the Tiny Toons and you're watching the the last, you know, couple dozen episodes, it wasn't Charlie Adler anymore. It's a guy named John. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah, Kassir. John Kasser. Yeah, 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 Kasser. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so there was two different Buster Bunnies throughout the series. Just so no one's Did, confused. I about can't remember. See, I, I, they didn't. It was 1992 Charlie... that that John did it. Yeah, but I think Charlie was better at it. Well, see, I think <laughs> in my in my personal opinion, I think. Oh Charlie no was doubt, at it. I'm not. Yeah, we'll see. I think Charlie actually came. He left and came back because John only did uh, two. It, according to IMDb, he only did two episodes in 1992. So maybe they kind of worked it out uh, between Warner Brothers and him, and he, I believe he came back. I'm not real. Oh, it's all about. Yeah, the I'm green, not really sure. The green came back. It, it's hard telling. I just, like I said, I just wish that Charlie had moved over to Animaniacs because, you know, maybe that would have been an interesting combination. Yes. You know. Yes. I actually wish I had some GoGo stuff. I love GoGo. He's so cool. GoGo was. Cheap. GoGo was just one of those off the wall. Well, obviously off the wall wacky characters because he is from Wacky Land, but it, he, he was just so cool. Um, I guess we can move on to the uh, behind-the-scenes segment, and I don't actually have any behind-the-scenes stuff from the um, the only special feature on either one of the uh, either one of the volume sets that's out already uh, is on volume one, uh, from Looney Tunes to Tiny Tunes, a wacky evolution. Go inside the Warner Brothers water tower to discover how the Tiny Tunes crew got their start in the shoulders of Looney Tunes legends, um, which I I will talk about a little bit more in depth once we get to the DVD things. So, um, I did find, I, I actually was looking through some stuff and I, I ended up finding an article that was actually printed in 1990. <laughs> it was a, uh, article written in one of the entertainment, um, 
magazines that was kind of previewing Tiny Toons before it actually mm-hmm. hit the air. And it kind of goes into a little behind the scenes. I'm going to just read a little bit That's from fine. that. Um, so picture us being in 1990 here, and it's saying that uh, until recently, Kids Afternoon Television has been a low-budget dumping ground filled with poorly animated space adventures and decade-old reruns. Three years ago, the Walt Disney Company took a chance on higher-quality programming with its animated DuckTales series, and now Warner's is raising the stakes. Um, Warner's taking this entry into animation very seriously. This is a vice president of production management for Warner Brothers, who is quick to point out how much has been spent on things like digital audio, more drawings per second animation, storage techniques guaranteed to preserve the show for at least 100 years. From the beginning, Warner Brothers executives have paid more attention to quality than to cost. And then it kind of goes into uh, some Steven Spielberg, and it's this is uh, Tom Ruger talking. It says, Spielberg is very concerned about the look of the series because, after all, his name is on the marquee. Occasionally, we'll send over a sequence that might be good enough for me, but maybe the shadow or the texturing or something about the background won't be up to Steven's standards. He'll call us on that and say, let's not cut corners here. Um, Spielberg has micromanaged every step of the production process, approving every character, every script, every storyboard, every background design, and every voiceover. Um, so, and not a second of it airs without his advice and consent. And he was always stressing that he wanted these to look like a movie, not a TV show. So I thought that was kind of interesting, going all the way back to what they were looking at it back in uh, back in 1990 about it. And they did a very good job with that. Stephen was, as I said, you know, Stephen was a perfectionist. I think he was looking for perfection, and he got it. Yeah. yeah. If he didn't like it, it was it was it would not. Oh air. no. Um, going back to kind of what we I brought it up briefly in the first take, and I'd never said it again in the second take of the Animaniacs, but uh, that. De- that concern to detail, I think, is what made Animaniacs and Tiny Toons the great shows mm-hmm. that they were. Uh, it did have some negative side effects. I'm just going to give you two quotes from people that worked on it. Um, one is from Bruce Tim, who is one of the storyboard artists. And this is from uh, an interview he did with uh, Not of This Earth magazine. He says, literally every drawing is moving. It was just characters moving their arms and, and being in motion all the time. It's hard to look at. It's not acting or telling the story. It's just moving. And I guess that kind of influenced Bruce Tim to uh, kind of take a step back when he did uh, Batman, the animated series, um, because he didn't like the fact that, that Steven Spielberg was making it move so much. Um, and then another one from Bob Camp, who actually left Warner Brothers because he was so upset about um, the control the writers had. He, this is a quote from him from uh, Wild Cartoon Kingdom magazine. It says, the writers had all the power and none of the talent. You couldn't change things. It was all written out. The writers were writing sight gags, which is something you need to work out physically by drawing, not by some guy at the typewriter who doesn't know how to draw. So even though Spielberg was involved all the time, and I think that was a great thing, and I think that's why the cartoons were good, it did have a couple side effects of pushing you know, some of the people out that, that didn't like that control factor being taken from them. Right, right. Um, going into the uh, some more into the uh, behind the scenes thing, um, according to writer Paul Dini, Tiny Toons originated as a idea by Terry Semmel, then president of Warner Brothers, who wanted to um, inject new life into the Warner Brothers animation department and at the same time create a series with junior versions of Looney Tunes characters. Semmel proposed that new series would be show based on Looney Tunes where the characters were either young versions of the original Looney Tunes and Mary Melody's characters or new characters as the offspring of the original characters. The idea of the series was based on younger versions of famous characters, uh, which was common at the time in that era. Uh, Tiny Tunes was produced, such as cartoons as Muppet Babies, The Pup Named Scooby-Doo, Tom and Jerry Kids, and The Flintstones Kids. Um, Warner Brothers chose to do some of... 
shows to do the same because uh, uh, Steven Spielberg wanted to make the series similar to Looney Tunes as a series producer showrunner Tom Ruger explained. Well, I think in the Warner Brothers case, they had the opportunity to work with Steven Spielberg on a project but didn't want to just work on characters that Chuck Jones, Frizz Feeling, Bob McKimson, and Bob Clampett made famous and created. He wanted to be involved with the creation of some new characters. Uh, the result was a series similar to Looney Tunes without the use of the same characters, um, which I think it's that in itself lends it to the fact that they did bring in the old characters as like teachers and guidance because technically, technically this entire cartoon is to teach them how to make cartoons. They even actually have an episode where uh, a, a film festival episode where uh, Buster teaches Plucky how to how to how how animation is done. Um, so not. That was quite the cartoon there. That was quite the episode. That was very yes. funny. Yes. <laughs> I think the only part that I had to fast forward through was the 17-hour, uh, whatever it was, Shirley the Loon film, and Buster comes into the thing and says, Plucky, you're going to have to cut yours short because Shirley, uh, Shirley's is running long. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you, you had mentioned, obviously, the basis of younger versions of famous characters. I do want to point out, I mean, there was every cartoon that was famous had seemed like had a version of itself as a younger group um you mentioned some of them but there's much more oh than i know that. i do i do want to say that um tiny tunes and muppet babies are probably the only two out of all of those that i actually liked i couldn't stand it when they did that to all the to all the different cartoons and made like oh this is a, this is the baby version of flintstones or this is the baby version of that i couldn't stand that but tiny tunes and muppet babies pulled it off it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think a pup named Scooby Doo pulled it off too, which we will be talking about at some point down the line here. Um, and I love that show. I actually like that more than I do the adult version, um, just because it's. Yeah, I think it's much funnier than the adult version uh, of Scooby. Um, let's see. It actually it's funny. Um, uh, let's see. In 1987, Warner Brothers Animation Studio approached Steven Spielberg to collaborate with Semmel and Warner Brothers head of licensing Dan uh, Romanelli. I think I said that right. On yeah, on yeah, Semmel's ideas, they eventually decided that the new characters would be similar to the Looney Tunes characters with no direct relation. However, Tiny Tunes did not go into production then, nor was it even planned to be made for television. The series initially was to be a theatrical feature-length film. Yeah, I thought that, yeah, was, I thought that was very interesting because um, they mentioned that in the um, in in the uh, DVD uh, thing that it was originally supposed to be a film. Um, and then it goes on to say, in December of 88, Tiny Toons was changed from a film to a television series with Gene McCurdy overseeing production of the first 65 episodes. McCurdy said that Tiny Toons was changed into a television series to reach a broader audience for the series. McCurdy hired Tom Ruger, who previously wrote cartoons for Filmation and Hanna-Barbera, to be producer. In January 1989, Ruger and writer Wayne Katz began developing the characters and, and the sitting of Acme Acres with Spielberg. Um, it, it, I like how they started this show, how um, 
in the very first episode, uh, 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 a loony beginning, how they actually made it look like the cartoon characters, after the initial artist drew them, were the ones creating the show for him, because obviously Warner Brothers needed a hit cartoon. And they're actually making fun of themselves with this information that I just re- that I just read. In that cartoon, they're actually making fun of themselves because, like like it said, they were trying to revive the animation department. Um, and in the cartoon, because the cartoon characters are making it, um, they're all... Yeah, it's just one big joke. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Um, just touching real quick on the animation. Obviously, we talked about this with a little bit with the Animaniacs. Um, it was just above the standard for what was going on in that time period, especially in the early 90s. The cell counts more than double of most television animation mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and th- just uh, looking at one of the animation producers, um, said it was a fun but a big challenge because he always had a short schedule, and it's not always easy to work full blast nonstop. Um, said that he made six to eight, six or eight panels per scene, instead of the usual three or four. Um, And just another side note, it took basically 34 weeks per episode to finish. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's just ridiculous. Yeah, that is. Um, I mean, luckily a lot of times they had multiple episodes going on at the same time um, that they were producing, but but thinking 30 weeks, that's almost, that's over half a year for an episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, an- animation, cartoons and animation, it, it it's it's just awful how, how long how long the wait is to get it back. Um going into more of the production uh, in April 89, uh fall uh, full production of the series of series episodes began with five overseas animation houses and a total budget of 25 million dollars. Now, I don't know what cartoon budgets are like today, but I I don't think I've ever heard of a cartoon having a 25 million dollar <laughs> budget. Luckily, Steven Spielberg was pumping in <laughs> per, epi- per per episode. He was pumping in thousands, like hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. Well, that's probably why the budget so that- was twenty five million because you had him <laughs> attached to it. Uh, the first yeah. sixty five episodes of the series aired in syndication on one hundred and thirty five stations during that time. Tiny Toons was a huge success, got higher ratings than its Disney Afternoon competitors and some affiliates. After a successful run in syndication, Fox got the rights for season two and three. Production of the series halted in late 92 to make way for Animaniacs to air the following year. Bastards. <laughs> At least it somewhat made sense what they yeah. did, I guess. It wasn't, it wasn't like it just faded off into the distance with no yep. name. Oh, exactly. At least it wasn't canceled. Yeah, that's that's true, right. too. Um, uh, where else are we going to go with this? Let's see. Yeah, I think uh, actually it should be noted um the series uh, as far as directors uh, because I watched some of the actual Looney Tunes uh stuff, the actual Looney Tunes DVDs just for fun a while ago. Art Leonardi was director of 10 10 episodes in this show, which he was originally attached to the original Lo- Looney Tunes uh show as well. Um not really. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it for for this section, so we will go on to the actual show. Um, the show often contained political and entertainment satire. Character versions of celebrities made frequent appearances, though were most always voiced by imitators, and often appeared under parody names. The show also parodied other TV shows and cartoons of the day, including The Simpsons, a flagship series of the Fox Network, 
which aired Tiny Toons for two seasons. Um, like the original Looney Tunes, the cartoon violence, e.g. anvils, explosions, slapstick were prominent. Uh, um, I, you, you said anvil, so I gotta go into uh, a little episode. <laughs> yeah, I um, the, the anvil chorus. Um, I thought it was interesting that they actually dropped, I, I saw the statistics for it, then I'm talking about the little skit in the anvil chorus. Um, 40 anvils Dropped on him within six wow. months. Wow! If you counted, if you counted them all up, forty, forty and wow, wow. Um, Dude, and, that's creepy. And uh, speaking of the cartoon violence, which we got into a little bit um, in the last time with Animaniacs, right. uh, I think I think the Tiny Toons dealt with it best within their own little episode where they had a snooty-looking grown-up. Who uh, who's speaking in the one cartoon, and she, she gets up there and she says, I'm the chairperson for adults against funny cartoons, and I've already counted 16 acts of mindless violence in this cartoon, and then an animal <laughs> drops <laughs> um, And uh, quotation from Sherry Stoner, one of the writers that we've talked about a little bit before, um, she said, look, we don't use guns. We, there's no war toys or tanks or bombs. We've kept it strictly cartoon violence, an- anvils and dynamite. Um, but nothing you could find in your mom's house unless your mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. It should be noted, though, even though that's what Miss Stoner said, the original in and I keep going back to a loony beginning because I think it's one of the best episodes. Um, I do too. I when the um, when the animator guy inside the cartoon was drawing Buster, he first made him super cute, and that wouldn't work. So he was going for like maybe a more bulkier type. And there was an actual gun, but it was on the drawing page. But, yeah. Uh, the gag credits. Oh, my God. I did not know this until I had the DVDs because I, I didn't remember seeing them. Because, I mean, when you're a kid, as soon as the credits roll, you're done with the cartoon. You don't exactly. pay attention to the credits. You're like, it's <laughs> well, problem. now that th- 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 I have these, I've looked through almost every one of them, and I can't count. Uh, every episode of the show also featured a gag credit during the closing credits. After the credits, the episodes closed with one or more characters appearing in the Warner Brothers ring saying a closing line. Um, but the other thing is, with that, the gag credits, not only at the end of, like, at the end of it, like, if Buster and Babs came up or something like that, in the actual credits, um, it was right before, like, the producer of something, I think it was Paul Strickland was his name, the credit right before that, there was a gag credit at the very bottom, uh, in the first episode, I believe it says uh, created by Buster and Babs Bunny because at the end of a loony beginning, they asked the guy, they asked the animator, hey, can we get a created by credit? And he's like, oh, yeah, right, like that's going to happen. They actually jump off the page and, and, and basically attack the animator. And then at the end of the show, as the credits go up, in, in one panel you see a gag credit saying created by Buster and Babs Bunny. <laughs> That's yes, funny. very much so. Nice. Um, and I guess you can go into some of the more uh, uh, the actual end credits if you want. Uh, with the um, probably the some of the most memorable ones. I remember this one actually without even reading the the one where Buster says uh, "Say goodnight, Babs," and Babs says "Goodnight, yeah. Babs." Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they they referenced a lot of different things, um, different classical literature. Um, we had. Again, that the instance of breaking the fourth wall, which again we talked about with Animaniacs, something I loved about both oh, yes. shows was the characters breaking the fourth wall. You had uh, Gogo Dodo popping into the rings, holding the TV remote control, and saying it's yep. been surreal. 
and then he points the remote to the viewer, presses power button, and the screen um, goes out. So he had that type of stuff. Um, and then basically these same types of things were continued in Animaniacs. You see the same thing with the Warner Water Tower instead mm-hmm. of the rings. Um, so a little trademark of all these shows. Yes, uh, very much so. Um, and then I guess we can move on to trivia here. Uh, Wacky Land, the bizarre world that Go Go Dodo comes from, wasn't created for this show. It actually first appeared in a little-known Looney Tunes short named Porky and Wacky Land, 1938, which also featured a Dodo that looked and acted exactly like Go Go Dodo from this series. Which, again, they're take—they're not insulting the Looney Tunes; they're taking homages from that, and I do like that. I'm. G- yeah. yeah, they're giving they're giving they're giving the Looney Tunes cartoons tributes. exactly, and I think that that's a great thing more than somebody coming in and saying, "Oh, well, we're just going to copy them and just you know do it whatever the hell we want to do with it." Um, Tiny Tunes stuck to the. I, I'm sorry, uh, Mike. I was going to say Tiny Tiny Tunes stuck to the Warner tradition of making something funny, putting it together. You know, not only having you know a. a, a you know, not only kids were watching this, you know, just like the Animaniacs, adults were watching this. But it wasn't just for kids, it was for adults too because of the generations, you know. You know, back then you had, you know, in the, in the 30s and 40s and 50s you had Looney Tunes. You know, in the 90s you had mm-hmm. Tiny Tunes. And Tiny Tunes to me was just, a, it was more than a cartoon show, you know, a, a regular show that was a cartoon. It was a tribute. Exactly. Because it gave... You know, it gave, you know, tributes to the original Looney Tunes characters, you yeah. know. So that d- was that was what made it work, I think, for as long as it lasted. I also liked how it kind of, although it did tributes to, you know, like the Looney Tunes and some of the things that they respected from the past, how it also kind of poked at the current competition. Yeah, uh, so- actually it did. You guys there? I'm here. Kevin? Oh crap! You there, Kevin? Okay, yeah, I'm good. Well, yeah. we kind of lost you there for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, I was just saying. I remember one episode in particular where it's all about Plucky Duck, and uh, it was three specific individual cartoons about <laughs> him, and and Buster is introduced in it, and he says, "All right, now it's time for three Ducktales," and and Plucky Duck comes flying in the screen and is like, "Never ever." That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Remember. And he's like. <laughs> And then Buster's like, um, three stories about a duck. <laughs> like three, <laughs> he's trying to come up with something else to say. So I kind of thought it was funny how they <laughs> acknowledged who they were competing against. Oh, yes, time. very much so. Um, the nonsensical ward Narf, which was made famous by Pinky on Animax in 1993, made its first appearance in a secret message in the credits of the episode. You asked for it. Uh, the message, guy who says Narf, Eddie Fitzgerald. Um, which that goes back to the fact, um... Of Ruger wanting to use Fitzgerald and Minton as the, um, he didn't actually use them, but he took the idea for Pinky and the Brain from them, which we mentioned last episode. Uh, Oh, yeah, I I remember this. I mentioned this last episode. The character of Ralph, the Warner Brothers studio security guard, later appeared as a regular character on another Warner Brothers animated series, Animaniacs. Uh, That was kind of shocking to me when I saw him because, as I said before, the schedule obviously is backwards with us doing Animaniacs last week and doing Tiny Toons this week. I was actually shocked to see Ralph in in Tiny Toons. I remember that now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fifi LaFoom's perfume of choice is Les Stink. 
<laughs> you can go through the memorable quotes, Kevin. Yeah, we, we've mentioned we've mentioned most of these. I'll just go over them one more time because it's kind of each character and and some of their best quotes. Uh, the Buster and Babs thing. Hi kids, I'm Buster Bunny and I'm Babs Bunny. And then no relation. Together, no relation. Um, little Plucky, I, I love Little Plucky, but it, it didn't matter what he was talking about. He's always you know elevator go down the hole or diaper go down the hole or you know water go down the hole. He was always doing something like that. So I, I pushed the button. <laughs> I pushed the button. And then, of course, uh, Elmira's, I'll love them and hug them and hold them forever and make me want to shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say that. I just wish she would. Go down the hole. I was just wondering, for either one of you guys, I know, Mike, you've been watching a lot of the episodes lately. I, Deanne, I don't remember. If, I don't know if you've watched any of them recently or you have a good memory. But uh, do any of you have, like, a favorite, a favorite episode or a favorite skit that you just sticks out in your head? I think, uh, obviously, I love A Looney Beginning, um, and it, we haven't really because t- the other two seasons are not on DVD. It's kind of premature that we're recording this before they're released, but um, I vaguely remember, which I forgot to look at YouTube last night to see if I could find it. I vaguely remember how I spent my summer vacation, um, but I think that was a really, really cool, uh, it was actually a, a direct-to-video film, and then they broke it up into episodes, I believe, to put into the into the airings of the show. Um, but I think that was a really, really good one as well. Uh, I, I think my favorite one uh, that I can actually remember is uh, the kind of the spoof on Batman that they did. Yeah, uh, I think it was called That's All Folks or something like that. It was one of the ones within the, within the show, but uh, they had a character instead of the Joker called the yep. Jackster. <laughs> Which which had Maurice LaMarche doing a Jack Nicholson take on this animated version. <laughs> I just thought that whole episode or that whole cartoon was just hilarious. Without the um, the pig Hampton or not? Yeah, yeah, it was, was Hampton. Uh, Robin. Yeah, Hampton was Robin and and Plucky was uh, Batman. I just thought that that show cracked me up from beginning. Yeah. To end. Actually, it should be noted that Bruce Tim wrote that episode, which Bruce would eventually go on to the DC animated universe, Batman the animated series, stuff like that. Um, I guess we can um, move into the music segment. Um, obviously, with uh, with the music, the number one thing that comes up is the the theme song. Yes. Yes. The the theme song was fantastic. Um, I in my little ranking that I always bring up, number eighteen out of the top seventy for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so not quite as good as Animaniacs theme song, but still a pretty a pretty good darn start to your cartoon. Oh yeah, and it after a while it gets to the point where you just can't watch. You just want to skip over it because oh my god, yes. oh wow, it got it got so grating on me to watch the theme. As much as I like the theme, it's a good theme, but yeah, after a while it kind of. Yeah, went down the drain. Which I don't, which I don't get with the Animaniacs theme. I don't know if it's because I'm always listening for the last line to now to see what it's going to say, but I didn't get as tired of Animaniacs theme song as I do. Like even watching the DVD back after about the second episode, I started skipping the theme song. I'm like, I can't. Listen to it <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the reason that you couldn't really turn the Animaniacs theme off is because they always change the ending line. Yeah. yeah. With I the Tiny Toons song, it was just the same old song, you know, same old lines. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and whatnot. So, and, you know, the, I, I think that's, I think that's what made the difference for both those shows. Cause Animaniacs, you could, you could listen to the song 
And you're like, okay, the first part of it, right, it's the same, yawn. But then you hear this last line, and it's like, <laughs> huh? They didn't say that before. <laughs> I think so. You know, you you actually get interested in the theme. Again. I think after a while, for me, I am like just sick of it all, and I'll probably end up getting that way with the rest of of the schedule as far as series. I think um, I think the only one that. And I believe it's episode eight, which is Mask, which, as I've said, as we've said before, <laughs> we don't have DVDs for. Um, so that's going to be kind of hard for me to. Damn you! <laughs> it's going to be kind of hard for me to you to to. I mean, you know, I can do research on it, but I would like to find somewhere where there's some sort of direct download of of some ep- of, of of even one episode of the show. Um, cause yeah. even though I do remember the theme and I do remember the show's premise, I still like to refresh by watching. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you had asked what, my, you know, going back to the favorite episode or skit, mine was probably super plucky of brothers just because it was so damn. Yes. Hilarious. And we will be mentioning that more, uh, in a bit, I believe if we have, I don't know if we have, yeah, yeah. I'll be mentioning super plucky of brothers a little bit later. was just. Very funny. Yes, very. Um, it should it should be noted that this, just like Animaniacs, was uh, the music had a full orchestra. Yep. Um, so the, the I think the, they the, use the, the same. Piece. I think they use the same people. Forty for piece shows. orchestra, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Are we done with the music? Yeah, it wasn't as musical. Yeah, as Animaniacs. no, it wasn't. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no. uh, going into the pop. Had more drama. Yeah, and I like that, though, because Animaniacs is supposed to be more musical, and this was, I guess, supposed to be more dramatical. Uh, we can go into the popularity and reception. Um, films and television specials, a feature-length movie, which we I already mentioned, uh, was released direct-to-video in 1992 entitled Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My uh, Vacations. Uh, the special was re-edited for syndication and aired as part of the original series, other featured releases for Tiny Toon Adventures include Spring Break Special, It's a Wonderful Tiny Toons Christmas Special, and A Night Goolery Christmas Special, aired on Fox in December, on December 6, 1992. Spring Break Special was shown during primetime on March 27, 1994. Uh, spin-offs, obviously Animaniacs, uh, The Plucky Duck Show was produced as a spin-off for Fox Kids based on the character Plucky Duck, except for the premiere episode, the Return of Bat Duck. Um, the show was composed <laughs> of recycled Plucky-centric episodes from the series. Although 13 episodes were produced, only half of the episodes were aired as production of the series was aborted when Fox acquired exclusive rights to Tiny Toons Adventures' third season. In 1998, a spinoff of Pinky Elmira and the Brain debuted on KWB. This series featured Elmira character as well as Pinky and the Brain, two characters who were originally on Animaniacs, before receiving their own series, also entitled Pinky and the Brain. Pinky Elmira and the Brain picks up after Pinky and the Brain leaves off, where Pinky and the Brain become Elmira's pets after Brain accidentally destroys their original home, Acme Labs. During a lab experiment, Pinky, Elmira, and the Brain lasted for 13 episodes as well. I thought that was kind of interesting how they took uh, took some characters from Animaniacs and then put them with some characters from, or a character from Tiny Toons. I thought that was kind of a yes, idea. very much so. Um, I guess you can go into the awards and nominations. Oh my, yeah, my goodness, the awards that this show won is just the the list is endless. Um, I'm just going to give you a, basically a, a shopping list here of all the awards. Um, you have an Emmy Award, 
for outstanding animated program for a program one hour or less for the episode The Looney Beginning in 1991. So there's reason that you like that episode <laughs> so much. Um, a bunch of day- <laughs> it had uh, seven daytime Emmy. I'm sorry, eight daytime Emmy nominations. Seven of them end up being wins for um, Tiny Toons. You had they won for outstanding animated program in '91. They were nominated again in '92. Won again in '93. Um, one for Outstanding Original Song for the Theme Song in 91, one for Music Direction and Composition in 91, um, for William Ross for Episode Fields of Honey, uh, one for, again, for Music Direction and Composition, Mark Waters for Episode The Love Disconnection in 1992, again for Music Direction and Composition, Steve Bramson, The Horror of Slumber Party Mountain in 93, and then they won um, for Outstanding Writing in an Animated Program in 1992. You had a couple of Young Artists Awards, um, they won the award for Best New Cartoon Series in 1991. Also nominated for Outstanding Young Voiceover in an Animated Series for Whitby Hertford in 1993. Two Annie Awards for Best Animated Television Program. These are both nominations, 92 and 93. And then they won an Environmental Media Award for Children's Animated Series for the episode Whale's Tales in 1991. So that's over 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 either nominations or wins for these different awards. So it was definitely um, received very well by not only the fans, but by the actual um, animation um, gurus and the, and the television gurus. Out oh, there. yes, very much so. Um, going back to the Love Connect or the love Disconnection episode, here's what Babs has to say. I'm sorry. The rabbit you have dialed has been disconnected. Nice. <laughs> 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 um, I guess as much as I don't want to go... Uh, I'm just going to go to the reception really quick, and then I'll come back to criticism. In January 2009, IGN named Tiny Toons uh, as the fir- 41st in the top 100 animated TV shows, um, which I thought was was kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, 41st out of 100. I think it... I think I think something that you do got to note. I went through and actually looked at at what IGN has mm-hmm. in the top 100, and I, I guess the reason I was looking at that list a little differently before is because I was thinking just uh, basically mm-hmm. children's animation, and that that list is everything. That list is everything from like um, Simpsons. You have like Adult Swim stuff in there. You have like Family wow. Guy, Futurama. Like like it's everything. It's all animated TV shows all the way up to. You know, 2009 basically. So I think that's the reason why we're seeing a couple of these further down the list than we thought yeah. we should be seeing them, because they they're including a whole lot more than I expected. Oh yes, to and going back to the criticism. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> Tiny Toons <laughs> Tiny Toon Adventures has been criticized by cartoonist John. I'm just gonna say John K because I don't know how to say the dumbass's last name. Creator of the Ren and Stimpy show, which uh, probably now we may or may not record uh, a Ren and Stimpy episode after this. <laughs> I'm not sure. In a 1994 issue of Animation Magazine, uh, John Kay wrote a column about the series, calling it a super bastardization of the original characters, <laughs> using uh, parasiticism and other bad writing tricks until the premise becomes so twisted that it is beyond any coherent statement. John Kay also criticized the improper use of the characters in the series, saying that uh, every character is a comedy uh, relief character, even the ones who were originally straight man characters. Uh, Glue an exceptionally um, unirreverent live-action director's name, Steven Spielberg, to it, and plug these stolen bastardization personalities into situations not suited for them, for example, into stolen movie plots, uh, then commit every single... 
other bad writing crime known to man. Uh, Tiny Toon Adventures director John uh, John McCallaghan, yeah, Bunnahan. said that the people's that, that the people at Warner Brothers ignored John Kay's criticism. Nobody except John Kay fans cared what John Kay thought. The thing about John Kay is he is a really, really talented guy who is also pretty good at uh, hurling criticisms at others, but unfortunately will not collaborate with anyone. Very few people at WB were John Kay worshippers. Certainly none of the decision makers, coincidentally repeats of the show, would later air on Nickelodeon, which also aired in Stimpy. Um, <clears throat> he just didn't get it. He just didn't get what the point of it was. I mean, no, I, it, you know what? I didn't even I didn't even like Ren and Stimpy when it was on. I mean, not that we're talking about it, but I didn't really care for it. So, but I think he was I think he was thinking that it was supposed to be like true to form of the Looney Tunes, and he just didn't understand what they were yeah, trying to do. No, he did. I don't think he got it. I just think, he, like Kevin said, I think he missed the concept. Right, and he's talking about twisted beyond any coherent statement, and you're the guy who created. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. What the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? Yeah, talk about twisted. Talk about twisted. I mean, I, I enjoyed Ren and Snippy back in the day, but you can't call call out someone else and say that they're twisted beyond coherency when that's what your whole show yeah, is. Yeah, I, I am not a fan of Ren and Snippy. I've watched probably one episode of that show. I've watched two, and I think uh, and Yeah, I, I, I will never watch Ren and Snippy. Um, I guess we can go on to the merchandise, and I guess you can read the, the print, Kevin, the print stuff for... Yeah, um... Some of the some of the the way that you've seen you can see Tiny Toons in print. Um, there used to be a quarterly children's magazine based on the series, but only for about five issues. There's also various storybooks actually by the Little Golden Book Company, which I used to own a ton of, um, including a few episode adaptations and some original stories, Lost in the Funhouse and Happy Birthday Babs. Um, Tiny Toon Adventures did not spin off its own comic book. However, the characters did make occasional cameos in the Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain comic books. And Marvel did um, produce a comic book for the UK. For anyone yes, and now that. we come to the toys and also the well, that's what game. we're coming to: uh, toys, toys and video games. Ah. Since its debut, numerous video games based on Tiny Toons have been released. Many companies have held the development and publishing rights for the games, including Konami during the 90s, Atari, Nikidco, Conspiracy Games, Warthog, Terraglyph. Interactive Studios and Treasure Toys for the series included plush dolls and plastic figures. Um, the video games—it's it, it, actually funny—they actually uh, mention video games on the show, and here's what it was. It's the brand new hit video game, Super Pluckio Brothers. Live the fun and excitement as you guide Pluckio and his brother Linguini through Fungo World. Ooh, but save me and junk. Rescue Princess Loon from the Toadstool Tower by picking the magic kumquat. But be sure to pick the right magic kumquat or the dizzy doofus will pluck you bald. Or you'll be mega gornish. Fish more 
more than a game. It's an obsession. Plucky-O Brothers for your non mindo system. Whine, scream, and cry until your folks break down and buy you one. Only $879.99. Batteries, instructions, joystick, and game not included. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, oh, my. There is an oh, yes, very much so. Um, and I have to go back just a little bit before I get into the DVD releases. Um, there was an episode where... Um, Buster had lost his soccer ball down a down a cave, and in this cave was a whole bunch of eggs. And they didn't realize this at first. Well, he just grabbed one, and apparently it was a, a baby T Rex egg. And um, <laughs> the thing hatched. Uh, it grew attached to Buster, and he eventually started raising it as his own. Um, and of course, in the episode, uh, Monty wanted the dinosaur. Ooh, dinosaur must have can make money off of it, and all this and other stuff. Well, there's a line that says um, Buster doesn't realize that 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 Rover, the T-Rex, is not behind uh, him and Plucky and Babs on the way home. He turns around and says, home sweet. And then he says, hey, and then, and then Plucky goes, home sweet. Hey, what kind of pun is that? And Buster goes, it's not pun, it's plot. But I don't have the rest of it, but I do have this. Home sweet, hey, what kind of pun is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, we were talking about video games. I actually own, in cartridge form, for my original Nintendo, uh, the right. Tiny Toons game. You know, because we mentioned Konami, uh, that they did. You know, back in 1991, and then of course Game Boy. You know, years later, the original Game Boy had some games too. They actually, the the original Nintendo had two NES games. And uh, Game ah, Boy had, I believe, cool. three. And then you had uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, and that, I think that was it, at least for the Nintendo side. Yes, that was it. I'm uh, sure there very, were more very that cool. I can't And what of. does Buster have to say about that? Oh, Spielberg. <laughs> that was actually from the... Uh... Well, he... Do- I well, that was okay. that you used it to It started say that. with Buster, but... Yeah, and the reason why it started with Buster was because Buster, in that okay. in that same episode that I was talking about with the dinosaur, inside the cave, a yes. um yes. a a wall opens up and you see this giant paradise and and Buster says, "I never bought that whole extinct theory." <laughs> uh, so um, going into the DVD releases, um. Let's see, we have, on July 29th, 2008, Warner Home Video released Season 1, Volume 1 of Tiny Toon Adventures on DVD in Region 1, comprising the show's first 35 episodes. Season 1, Volume 2 was released on April 21st, 2009. Several of the episodes on this collection, however, are edited, which I did not notice that they were or not. I don't know. (laughs) I think what you're trying to say is this. Um, season, season, <laughs> seasons two and three are uh, still to be to be announced. They have not been announced. On. Yeah, I know. I told you Warner would do something like that. But but yeah. honestly, they just had their last release in April. So I mean, 
you can't expect them to have the other Okay, one well, this is what I don't get, okay? And we'll match. get to this eventually when we get to the Looney Tunes episode, which unfortunately isn't until episode 20, but the Looney Tunes DVDs are the unedited versions. And on on every, I think from collections three to six, there's a thing. I know, I, I know for a fact on, on uh, Lo- ugh, Looney Tunes Golden Collection Volume 3, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg comes up and says, the jokes that are in these cartoons yeah. have remained in because they're a part of our culture. She says it, it's like some PSA um, about it, which I don't understand why that they would leave the, the original Looney Tunes stuff in, but edit these. That makes no sense to me. Yes, I'm not really sure. That doesn't make um, a lot of sense. That's pretty much all for this episode, uh, unless I mean we can do our closing thoughts. Um, I'll let you guys go first. Ugh. Great show. I wish it. I wish it had actually run as long as the Animaniacs did. You know. Yeah. Uh, but hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh- I, I was happy that it was successful because if it wasn't successful, we wouldn't have had Animaniacs. Um, I mean, I like Tiny Toons for what it was, but watching it now and looking back on it as, you know, this many years later does not hold a candle to Animaniacs and does not nearly stand the test of time as well as Animaniacs has. They were both great in the 90s, um, but it's not quite as, as great as Animaniacs has remained. But For a minute there, I... Probably two of the best no. shows from the 90s from my standpoint. I think Wonder Brothers... I, I, think, I think Wonder Brothers did a very good job with the show. Um, you know, there were some very funny moments. There was, you know... There was always a bit of humor there. You could never... You, you never did want to change the channel. That was, that was what made you actually sit, you know, and just be glued to the TV... Because you never knew what was coming next. I did wish, though, that, you know, like Animaniacs, they had changed the ending line, you know, a bit around so it didn't sound all, you know, because, like you said, the first time it was great, but then after hearing the theme... Yes, very much so. Um, For a second there, Kevin, I thought I was going to have to use the classic. You smug (laughs) son of a... When you were talking bad about Tiny Toons, you bastard. (laughs) Uh, no, that'll never happen. <laughs> it'll I always be an, it'll be an every episode, in episode guest. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be always, it'll be, unless it'll I, be unless, uh-huh. unless for some reason I don't, you show can up always be fired if you'd like. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. all right. So I think we're going to go into the closing. <laughs> that is all for this episode of TuneCast. Please join us next time when we'll be discussing Voltron Lion Force. If you'd like to send any feedback, there are several ways to do this. The first is that you can visit geekcastradio.com and comment through Facebook. Um, just a little side note, uh, Steve has been working his ass off on geekcastradio.com. We currently have majority of the host bios. Uh, Dion, if you would like, uh, I can send you the text file for the template of the, of the bio if you would like to uh, put one up there for the TuneCast host since you are technically a... a almost regular host um as soon as you can get it it doesn't matter when just whenever um oh i will i'll send you the template and i'll i'll talk to you about it off air Um, but yeah steve has been really working his ass off on on getting geekcast radio uh, up and running in it it looks pretty pretty cool for me um 
so I, I, I'm really enjoying what he's doing with that. Uh, the second is you can follow us on Twitter. The name there for the show is GCRN Tunecast. Uh, what are your all's Twitter names? Um, you can get me on Twitter with Boss K Dog. You can also get me on Twitter, the Music Man, T H E M U S I C M A N zero eight. That is my Twitter. Um, so just you know, follow us on Twitter because oh yes, you know we're always looking. I'm sure one, you know, all of us are looking for new. Yes. Videos. On a side note about actually, contacting and giving feedback. Please go to iTunes and leave us positive reviews. You don't have to, you know, write a whole story about the show. You can say, you know, hey, great podcast or really enjoying it. But please leave us five-star feedback on iTunes. That will really help the show out. Uh, the third is that you can see our forum topic at, topics at predaconempire.com slash cafe spark. The fourth is you can visit earth2.net forums. Uh, we have several threads in the self-promotion section for GeekCast Radio. And the fifth is the email address, which is gcrntunecast at gmail.com. For now, I am TFG1Mike with... And we would like to thank Kevin you for listening. Kato. Until next time. Dion. Aloha! Hey, goodnight, Babs. Goodnight, Babs. It's been surreal.